Hello, beautiful soul fam. Are you ready? If so, let's walk for a bit together in the forest as I welcome you to a brand new episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast. I am your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles, and today is a very, very blessed, beautiful, and unique episode downloading in some of the most ancient wisdom and blessed transmissions from the Mamos, indigenous peoples from a region on the planet known as the heart of the world. It is located in the Sierra Nevada mountains of Colombia. So welcome to Mamos Emerging. This is an episode all about the sacred messages from this indigenous group after leaving their caves in the mountains for the first time. Now, I've been incredibly blessed to get to know the Mamos a bit, spending time with them in many ceremonial settings, learning and performing sacred rituals with them, stewarding some of them around Brooklyn for a bit while I lived there. And I can honestly say they are truly some of my favorite humans on this planet. They're the kind of people that just simply by being in their presence, you are changed so deeply for the better. So we are very fortunate to be able to sit today with a man named Santi. And Santi is from Colombia. And as the ancient wisdom and spiritual abilities began to open up inside of him, his calling led him to spending time with the Mamos, being a bridge to support their powerful messages and getting out to the world today. So you're going to be able to hear about some very deep and reverent spiritual indigenous ways from this group who up until recently stayed in remote caves and regions of the mountains. And you'll learn why and when they got this download to begin to share their wisdoms and ways with the world more. You'll also hear about the incredible rites of passage and processes they go through to become a Mamo, the sacred site of Teyuna, what led Santi on weeks-long treks in the mountains to locate them, and what happened along the way the biggest life lesson that Santi has learned from working with them, what quote-unquote payments mean in their tradition. It's very, very different than how we use the word here in the U.S. and what our view is, and I really think you're going to connect with it in a beautifully reverent way. You'll also learn about poporo, seashells, coca leaves, what they have to do with the Mamos ancient technology and their ways of inscribing sacred messages are that can only be read by another Mamo. And some say without Mamos, this world could not even exist. So you will learn about Santi's documentary filmmaking and projects and evolving the Mamos and how you can support that along with how you can partake in sacred reciprocity and thank the Mamos for their total devotion to keeping balance with nature, living beings, and Great Mother Earth. And there's a special ritual that aligns with the teachings of the Mamos that Santi is going to share with us today, where you'll be able to not only get to know yourself better, but also take part in a sacred payment practice that helps bring harmony back to planet Earth. So, Soul Fam, get ready for a super special and deeply honoring Ceremony Circle podcast episode today, where you are officially entering into the portal of learning the sacred, ancient ways of the Mamos of the Sierra Nevada in Colombia. All right. So beautiful to be able to connect with you today, Santi. I have been really looking forward to this conversation. And I was reflecting on just 
how universe works, you know, the beauty of it and the fascination of it in terms of how you and I got brought together recently and how I had been following your Instagram and <clears throat> I don't even, you know, remember how I found you. And then one day recently I get a DM from you and and then we decided to do a Zoom to just connect. And the next thing you know, I'm realizing that you have this really deep and reverent connection with an indigenous group that I also feel just such an ancient love and connection and reverence with. And I didn't know that part of you and you didn't know that part of me. And now here we are to talk about this incredible indigenous culture and group called the Mamos. And so I just just wanted to honor Source in this moment and, and thank all of our guides for bringing us together today. Thank you very, very much for creating this space and this connection. It's a really honor to connect with you and, yeah, to have this space to share a little bit of the things that both of are doing and with the incredible beings that we are working and the incredible things that we could achieve if we continue to keep working together and to keep weaving together. And that's... Um, yeah, a beautiful, really important part that for me is really special that being able to be here today. So thank you for creating this. And yeah, I've been looking forward to uh, having this conversation since the day that we connect and we realize that we are walking so many beautiful uh, related paths. And it's like, wow, it's, I don't know, it's like a spark that you say like, wow, it's something there. Let's go for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And so here we are. And I would love to start with your background. And you grew up in Colombia, right? Yeah. I'm born and raised in Bogota, the capital of Colombia. And I've been living more of, of most of my life there. Since two years already, I've been living in Vienna, in Europe. But yeah, uh, I started with a process of self-discovering my ancient roots and as a person that comes from latin america we all or in every part we all all have indigenous blood you know like we are all indigenous to the earth but in some point we lose that connection and in my special place like for example the mushka community they were kind of erased by the conquest so we didn't have so much information about our past, our past. So I started to get, uh, had to, to dig, to go into the mountains, to go into the places, and actually to travel into a lot of different pyramid sites around the world and places of value. And something inside me was like, yeah, okay, right now you see the world, like go back to this place in Colombia that the answers that you are looking for are there. And I arrived to the Sierra, uh, the heart of the world, that the Sierra is this magical, beautiful place in the Caribbean part of Colombia. It goes from the Caribbean Ocean to the snow peaks and the indigenous communities there. When the conquest arrived, they went up into the mountain. So they have been preserved for thousands of years. And they had a strong relationship with the Muishka community that is from Bogota. So one of the things that the elders says that it was that it was going to come a time that a lot of young people from Bogota was going to start to go into the Sierra to learn 
uh, to reconnect themselves with the roots, ourselves with our roots, and to learn the ancient wisdom that the Muiscas left there too. And a lot of elders from the Sierra was going to travel to Bogota and the areas around Bogota to activate the places of value that have been dormant in the last years. So a couple of things I would love, since you're really educating us on your culture and and where you come from, I just want to pause and make sure we get a really clear understanding. So when you were growing up, how familiar were you with the Mamos? Like when you were a young boy, did you ever uh, see them or encounter them or or hear about them? Or was it not until you were a bit older? No, I have something that is like, I think it comes from my mom. My mom is called Luz, that is mean light. And she's a really, really sensitive person. So since a really young age, I was really feeling a lot of things that I could not describe. And I think like the spiritual people like that, that they have feel it. Uh, and is that you doesn't have barriers to experience so many things that are beyond of this reality. So um, I grew up like uh, with this and with the things that my mom see, uh, saw, or that my mom experienced. And then I was having the same experiences over and over again. And in some point, I didn't have someone that uh, just guide me to the things that I was living. Yeah, because you feel like kind of disconnected from the rest of the society. You tell your stories and no one understands the things that you are experienced or the things that you feel or the things that you saw or the things that you hear. And then it becomes like something like, wow, maybe something wrong with me, you know? Like maybe... I, uh, maybe something, something wrong happens or I don't know. And actually that was one of the things that I started to feel it like to feel the desire to start to travel and to go to these places. Something that I really feel inside of me was like kind of the ancient part. Mm. So I really want to know the ancients. Like I really want to go to these pyramid sites and to these big stones that have been for thousands of years here. And I really want to go there. And I was having these strange dreams about pyramids and pyramids and pyramids and jaguars and jaguars and jaguars. So I was kind of something guided me to go in there. And it was in these travels that I started to understand a little bit more of the indigenous communities. Then when I arrived to the Sierra, like the Mamos are the spiritual leaders of the indigenous groups there. So there are four tribes. One of the tribes is the Kogi. The other one is the Alhuaco. The other one is the Wiwas. And the other one are the Kankwamos. All of these four tribes comes from a more bigger tribe that is called the Tairona. All of these tribes already existed. It's not that they just uh, are a descendants of the Tairona. It was, the Tairona it was like the, I don't know how to describe that, but the way they, um, they enclosed them. Yeah. And when I arrived to the Sierra, I was like, Getting access to the mammoths is really difficult. It's a process that is, is not so easy. And is that because, number one, because of where they live, it's my understanding, um, of course, things have been changing in, in recent years, but perhaps when you were on this pilgrimage, perhaps they were in very remote regions or you know, maybe tucked back in, in some caves that aren't easy to access. Is that one reason? And is the other reason because of all the years ago when the conquistadors came over, 
the only way they felt that they could preserve their languages, their rituals, their sacred traditions and ways was to hide. And is that hiding still there out of fear? Do any of those, did those two factors weigh into the difficulty? It's both. But for, for example, the second one is it's not too much about fear, but more about preservation. And it's, it's really difficult to access to them because they are always making um, spiritual rituals. So it's like they are traveling to the Sierra, they are like staying in different communities, and they are really high up into the mountain. So the ones that are going into the middle of the mountain or they are in the lower parts, um, they already have a lot of commitments. So it's like this is why it's really kind of difficult to access to them. And, and of course, they are not so open to receive anyone that arrives. So um, I was lucky because I encountered uh, one young Arhuaco leader and his father one, one was one of the biggest leaders of the Sierra. So he traveled a lot to meet a lot of communities and he was really well connected. And we just have a, a side, something like that. I, we connect over the eyes and he was smiling at me and I was smiling at him. And then we didn't say nothing. Like half an hour later, I encountered him into the beach and I was like, I need to talk with this guy. And I was, hola, I was, como estas? And, and we started to talk. And he was like, yeah, yeah, he told me like, you look familiar to me. And I was like, wow, really nice. I really wanted to know you. And he was like, and we started a conversation. And then I was with my camera and he said like, wow, you are a photographer. And I was like, yeah, I want to make a video of a message that the communities want to tell us about the relationship that we are having with nature and how is the climate crisis and the things that we are living. And he was like, wow. I'm really into cameras. I've been trained by National Geographic and he told me a story. So I'm going to bring you to the mammoths. Let's meet tomorrow at 5 a.m. in this point. And I was like, yeah, sure, but you have a cell phone. No, I don't have a cell phone, nothing. But just let's, let's meet there 5 a.m. and be prepared because we are going to walk up into the mountain. So we are going to stay there, just bring things to, to pass the night there. And yeah, let's go. And I was like, yeah, cool, let's go. And the next day, 5 a.m., we were there. He was there. We started to walk in the mountain. We walked like almost eight hours going up. And then we ended up in, um, they call it Cancurwa. Cancurwa is a place that is a spiritual place. It's a few houses that they built. But it's, it's a place where they do these spiritual rituals and they, they do the community gathering to make a spiritual work. It's nobody. There. Were you starting to, I mean, imagine a lot was happening to you as you were making this eight hour track. I'm sure you were experiencing a lot of different feelings. And did you sense when you got to that first uh, place where they do the rituals that you're describing, was there a shift in energy? And can you just walk us through a little bit um, if you can reflect back on what that process was like for you as you knew each step you were getting closer to connecting to your indigenous roots and learning from this culture. Actually, it was, yeah, it was really tough because before to, I went to the Sierra to go into Lost City. Lost City is like our Machu Picchu. And it's a trek that you, you do in six days, but it's really hard because you are going up into the mountain, going down, going up, going six days, walking and walking and walking. We have a car accident before, so nothing happened, but a friend just almost break me uh, a rib. 
So I was really kind of injury, but we were like super determinating to go, let's go. And then after all this journey, I went down into the mountain, into the beach part. And this is the time that I met Reynel. So you're already deep in this journey at that point, I see. Yeah. And I met him and he was like, yeah, let's, because we, we could not meet the Mamo in Lost City. He was not there. So we just went, experienced the site. We experienced with the indigenous community, but uh, we don't meet any Mamo. And then we, were, we went down and I was feeling sick. I don't know. At that time, it was really famous, the Zika uh, disease, like it's from a mosquito, something like that. And when he told me that, and then when we started to walk in, I was feeling like, oh, I have it. Like my bones are hurting me. Like I know that I have something. So I'm sick. And then when we get to this place, we arrive almost into the sun, sunrise. And then I told him that, like, yeah, I'm sick. So uh, I need to lay down. It was a full moon. It was like, wow, I remember the full moon light in all this space. And he told me, don't worry, I'm going to go to grab you some herbs. And then we are, I'm going to prepare something and you're going to drink it and it's okay. And in that moment, I laid, he gave me the remedy and I lay down. I start to puke. And it, I, it was really strange because I feel like the energy of the ayahuasca or the yaje. It, it's re, it was really, really strange. But then the mamo that was there that I didn't see him, he was playing music. He was playing a flute in the night, just in the stars. I, I couldn't see him, but he was playing a melody. And in that time, I was, I was feeling that the music was healing me. And that myself, I was harmonizing myself and I was feeling okay. I already threw up. The moon was there. I, I already laid down into the hammock. And the next day I wake up like 100% or 200% healthy. Then we went to the, uh, a big tree because they do the reunions into the big trees that are special for that. And then we have the meeting with the mammals. And then I, I, I see the first time the mammal, and it was not only him, but two other mammals from, there was two from the Arhuaco community and one from the Kogi community. Mm. So it was three of them. And then I started to talking with them, to hearing and to expressing what it was my intention to be in this place. And so do the mammals speak, what language do they speak? And is it a language that you also share? No, the four tribes, they have the different uh, languages. And for example, the mammals is like if you are talking with a scientist or something like that, they have a different type of language. So not everyone from the community can talk with them so easily. Of course, they understand each other and they could communicate super good. But when they are talking about so many topics, it's like, it's like yeah, to talk with someone that has a really, really long vocabulary or something like that. They speak Spanish a little bit. They understand, so you could communicate with them in the basic things, but they always talk in their language. So there is a time to they talk, and then the translator gives us the, the word that he was saying. Got it. And I think now is a beautiful place. I can see, you know, this this gathering spot that you all are are sitting at together. And I would love for you to share with listeners some of the back history about the Mamos because 
you know, as you and I have already chatted about, I just, they light up my being in such a unique way. And it has just been such an honor for me, the times that I've been able to share space with them and, and learn a bit about them, but their ways are very unique. So if you could share with listeners a bit about what it takes, you know, to devote to being a mamo at starting at such a young age and kind of go a little bit through the journey of them. Yes, they are really, I think, I don't know, really unique and special beings on, on the earth. Um, they have a process in when they are in an early young age, the community or the other mamo, they knew, they know that some that, that person is gonna is gonna be a mamo, or, or it could be a mamo. So they isolate him into a cave. And he lives in a cave for nine years, like going into the womb of the earth, the same as we go into the womb of our mother to birth, to, to, to born. They go and to do the same, but with the earth. In this period of nine years, they don't eat salt, they don't eat meat, they have a strict diet with special elements of nature, and they are only allowed to go outside in the night. This is the place that they learn like how to communicate with the spirits, how to do the payments, how to hear and yeah, and learn the language of nature. When they go outside of this process, they start to walk in. The Sierra is in closer in, into something that they call the black line. That is like a belt that surrounds the mountain. And it's like the belt that, I don't know how to say that in English, but sustain the world in some way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like a sacred container almost. Exactly. So this is, this belt is, is, is made by hundreds of sacred sites that they go into do these types of payments they call. So they call it spiritual payments. So there are places to do spiritual payment, payments for the good and for the bad. They don't have this duality of good and bad is something different forces. And they start a journey with the other mammal, like walking all these sites, learning everything by word and by example, to doing these rituals because when there are kids, they are more pure. So they are the ones that do the payments, the kids. The mammals give them the tools and then they do the, the payments because the kids have yeah, the, a more stronger connection with the earth. And after that, that is a process that it could take 20 years, 18 years, they go back into the community and they settle down and then they become the spiritual leader of the community. So before, not even the community have access to them so easily. And this is something that I learned this first time there. He was saying like, look at you. You are here the first time and now you are sitting with three mamos. Before, we just even arrived into the community and a lot of people run because they were afraid of us. Like even they were... Like we were so, so strong personalities that um, the people didn't see us too, too often. And it was not something so common. Right now, we are more present into the communities. Uh, we are doing more spiritual work. We are more close to you. So right now, we can communicate. We can spend time together. And we are doing this because we encounter that we need to to give you the messages that you are destroying everything as the Occidental civilization. And it's the time that we share our knowledge to keep the balance of nature. Yeah. And I, I think, 
you know, that helps to explain the, the payment aspect, you know, so you and I are both familiar with what that means, giving payments back to great mother earth, thanking her and trying to uh, make sure there's balance and restoration and sacred reciprocity and things like that. But is there anything else around that for a beautiful soul family listening to help them understand a little bit? Because you know, I'm sure they're getting a glimpse now of the the deep devotion that the mamos have. I mean, you just explained that I think starting around three or four years age, they go into the cave and, and they're living in the cave for nine years and can only come out at night and they're learning. So that devotion starts at a very young age. And then even after the nine years, when they come out, it's another, I forget what you said, like 10 or 15 years of going around to all these sacred sites and continued learning and and practicing the rituals and practicing their connection. So why is it, you know, so important to them to give these payments back to the earth? Why is that such a foundational part of the culture? I, I never encountered other indigenous community that uh, I, I know that probably exists, but the people in the Sierra are really particular because they call the place the heart of the world. There is a micro system that everything that's happened there affects the rest of the world. And they say that all humanity, it comes from this place. So it's the highest mountain by the sea. In the beginning, they said it was only the sea. And from the mountain, all the seeds start to spread. And they are the ones that keep the balance between the forces of nature and us. And for keeping that balance, the most easy way to understand them is the way that we pay everything right now in life. So we are going to buy something, we pay. We are going to use something, we pay. So they say, like, this is something that we forget because it's not true that our, our mother gives us everything for free. She needs something in return. So she needs love. She needs energy. She needs elements. So she needs something in return from us to keep that balance. When we don't have that balance, is there is no reciprocity. Yeah. And what is one example? Because, and in my, you know, handful of times being able to sit in ceremony and learn from them each time was so different. So what's just one example um, that you feel comfortable sharing of a payment that they give back? Like I remember one time at a ceremonial gathering, uh, one of the mamos invited us if we felt called. He had been given the download to go down to a specific point on the river, and he was going to play his drum and sing the entire night for hours and hours and hours as a payment to earth. And he invited us to join him in that singing. So that's, you know, perhaps one example, but is there another one just so people, because we, especially in the U.S., we are so far removed from this understanding of reciprocity to great mother earth and to nature and to offerings and, and things like that. It's, um, it's just not for most people, it's not a daily part of life. Um, so I think the more examples we can give, it can spark an ancient remembrance, hopefully in people of ancient ways or past lives, and they can start to reincorporate some of these practices in their own way. So what's another payment or offering that the mamos typically give? Yeah, I think like, uh, as you say, like we overcomplicate our minds that need to be something really complex and, and something that, wow, it's go out of this world. And actually there are really simple things. Like, for example, as you say, music is one of the most important things to pay. 
So the modern ones that you that we sing, that we join, that we like gather together, like that, like we do these types of things. So you experience that with the mammal. The other things, like for example, that they do a lot is to exchange materials into different parts. For example, there in the Sierra, they uh, they the um, shells. Yeah, they use it a lot for combination with the coca leaves to activate the alkaline side of the coca. And then they have these deeper states of, of being. So they bring those shells from the down parts of the Sierra to the upper parts, to the lagoons and to the snow peaks. And from the snow peaks, they bring some elements to the down parts and they connect the energy sites. Yeah, and it's the same as the birds do. The birds do the same. They bring some seeds from the upper parts to the down parts and from the down part to the upper parts. So it's something that nature do itself. And they say that, for example, it's the thing that we do. Another payment that they do, of course, is like is meditation and is a lot of cleanings that we need to do with elements of nature. For example, in when you go to a rock, rivers, big trees, these places of where energy is amplified, then you go and you put yourself, your thoughts there and your energy and you make your cleans. So with cotton, you can, you could do that. But yeah, we have something to share in the end of the, the podcast just to have a little ceremony with that and the people that here, is here could do something, their own payment. And that's something that we really want to deep into that. This is why I'm a filmmaker, and then the idea of the project, it was start to building a bridge with the communities and us to start to sharing all of these things, that how it is the way that we could connect, because in some someday we are the ones that are going to need to be the payments, and we need to start to learn how we could do these payments into a daily ritual. Yes, and that's one of the most important points of this entire conversation and understanding is that, you know, the Mamos for many, many, many hundreds of years were very removed. They lived in isolation and total devotion to their purpose and their mission and, and providing these sacred payments to earth and to nature. But, you know, in recent years, as we've chatted about, and if there's anything you want to further explain about this, you know, they were given the instruction that they needed to start to connect more, especially with Western society and, and perhaps even people in the U.S., so that these understandings and teachings and rituals can be shared with us because there's such wisdom, it's time for it to be shared. So that is the primary reason that a lot of them started to come down from the mountain and exit the caves was so that we can learn this information, correct? Yes, it's something that uh, they have been doing for more than 100 years already. And they call themselves the elder brothers and they call ourselves the younger brother. So they say like, yeah, we start to notice that you as a younger brother, you don't understand the way that nature works and you are destroying everything. So we have the responsibility to teach you how is the way that nature works and how is the way that you need to live here in, in, in on the earth. So... Um, they have been going down to the mountain again after the conquest because they have been conquered many times, like even for from people from, from Colombia that they would ar arrive there and create this coca monoculture. So it was a lot of destruction, minery. Yeah, they have been threatened 
in so many different ways. So after 500 years, they are already they are still alive and strong and and really connected with the traditions. So it's something really, really beautiful and, and special because they are one of the biggest groups of indigenous cultures alive in Latin America. And I would say they are one of the biggest from the pre-Columbus time that they are still uh, the biggest civilization that were in, we always talk about the Incas and the Mayas, but the Tairona were a really, really advanced civilization and they are still here. So we can learn a lot from them. And that's the idea that they, they start to travel and they start to activate in the sites in the north to print in their message to for us to be able to reconnect with ourselves first and then with the rest of the elements of nature. Mm-hmm. So let's take it now back to that gathering point. If you can keep sharing with us your own personal pilgrimage and connecting with them. So you're there with your friend, your new and ancient friend and the three mamos. So what happens next? Um, yeah, they explained me a little bit. They told me a story about um, the, yeah, for example, that story and how they are right now open and why are now they are receiving people and creating these connections. And they told me, yeah, we are just want to hear you while you are here. So um, my first desire, it was just to create a video that they could share this type of these messages. And yeah, and of course, I was like in a personal journey of discovering my roots and stuff like that. But in the other side, I, I really want to, to share to the world. And help to be that bridge for them to get that exactly. message out. Exactly. So I present the, this idea, and I was already involved in working into the permaculture, into agri, uh, regenerative agriculture. So I present this, this idea and I tell them, yeah, and I want to give back to the earth in the form of trees. I really noticed that here there is a lot of deforested areas, so I really want to, to give back in the form of trees. And they say like, yeah, in the film part, it's really beautiful and it's really special because we learned that the younger brother learns a lot with images and sounds, and as we don't speak Spanish, it's, it's easy for us to give our message into that way. And you could be a bridge between us and the rest of the world. So that is beautiful, but it's a material thing. So if you desire to care and to go deeper into this caring of, of Mother Earth, it's true, you need to touch the Earth. You need to do something. So a film is not enough. Mm. You need to pay. You need to work the land. Other time of payment is working the land. Other time of payment is the sweat, the blood that we put into our efforts. So they said, yeah, we really need to, that becomes the anchor of what you are going to do. So they give me the permission. And then actually I didn't film anything with them. I just feel in that moment like this is a moment that I'm gonna I'm gonna have for my heart. I, we have a, a voice recording of the of what happened just to have a documentation. But uh, they told me like yeah, right now that you are here, you need to come to the Sierra four times more. Is the first uh, step that you are gonna need to do. 
I love it. You're getting these instructions. And, and is it when you're hearing this for the first time, I imagine it's igniting, you know, something inside of you, a passion, a, a deeper connection to your inspiration for this calling that you have. What were you feeling when you were first being told like your next, your next part of this, you know, communing with us is you need to come four more times? I was super happy. Actually, I was like super happy. And I was like, yeah, when we meet, <laughs> when we could meet again and we put a date, like in one month, I was traveling back to Bogota and I was like, yeah, in one month, let's meet, let's meet here. I arrived the next, the next month and actually the mammoth would need to travel to other communities. So he was not there. And then another person of the community told me, this is one of the lessons that you need to learn here. Everything is at their own process. Even if you work and you put a date or something like that, the rhythms of nature doesn't work in that way. And these four times for you to come to here is to give you a welcome. It's, it's to, yeah, to give you a hug to you to understand what is this place. So every time that you come, you're going to start to understand it more. So mm -hmm. don't be sad because they are not here. You already meet them the first time. Just experience. And we started doing another spiritual work that it was more like a cleanings with coca leaves and bath taking river baths. And in that point, I understand like, wow, this is going to be a process that is going to take my whole life. It's, it's not something that is not four times. It's a commitment for life. I already knew when we meet them, that was the seed. Like this is the start of a journey that is going to take me years and years and years to be able to understand and to, yeah, and to be involved in, in to the things that they really want to, to share because information is, is one thing, but wisdom is other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like mm -hmm. uh, we could have a lot of information, but applying that information is the, that really difficult part. So um, that is our journey. In that journey, we start to plant in the trees and I start to focus on more of my efforts into the planting the trees. Then in the third journey, we went back into the lost city into into um, the Yuna is, is the ancient name. And there was the mammoth. And he was there. And that time, it was the time of the, of the film process. So we arrived and then we say like, yeah, mammoth, we, we wanted to you to give us a message about the climate crisis that we are living. And he was like, I'm not, I know why you are here. So put the camera. Okay. We put the camera, we press record, and he started to talk like eight minutes straight. Bam, 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 bam. He was ready. <laughs> he was super ready. And then he stops and he's like, it's enough. It's done. And he was speaking in, in, in the language. So I was like, yeah, and how, uh, what do you say? Like, and he said, like, don't worry, you are going to encounter someone that is going to translate. Just go there and look for this guy. And let's, uh, let's see you again soon. Okay. And I need to go and kill it. Then we go down for six days again into the closest city. Um, we didn't encounter the translator. Actually, it was a process of two years that to translate uh, his messages. Wow. I mean, let's just take a moment to honor, you know, this, it's just so beautiful for me to hear in a deeper way, you know, how you've arrived to where you're at now. And yeah, there's just something so potent and powerful about 
that two-year pause of even hearing the message that was delivered to you on that day in Tayuna. I mean, that's really astounding. It's such a testament to surrender and trust and devotion and honoring and just all of the beautiful sacred ways to know that just to learn what he shared took two years to come into uh, manifestation. Yeah, yeah. And like that one person told us, yeah, he's talking about quartz and gold, some teachings. And we were like, yeah, okay, I really want to know more. I really want to, like, uh, the thing that I knew right away, it was, I already have that message inside of me. It's already, it's already on me. The seed is, is there. I just need to process it. And one day I'm going to be able to understand it. So it was a really long process. We focus more into the planting the trees and to starting with the reforestation project with, with agroforestry. And yeah, to keep trying to document it. And then actually it was a period of time that I was like, yeah, I don't know what more I'm going to do with this because I don't find a way to put this out. Someone arrived and he says like, yeah, I have the resources to finish this. And it was like, cool, because I don't have many more resources. Uh, I feel I'm feeling down because it's been a, lo a long process. I, I don't know why all of this is happening. And then it becomes a more tougher process to be able to translate that and to finish. It is, it is a first short film that is a message that uh, Mamo Romaldo from the Duna gives to us. Is right now in our website and YouTube. You could watch it in just 15 minutes. But I was keep filming around the area and around the Sierra, but without knowing how I will connect that to his message. And then we, when we have the translation, because the Indigenous Film Collective, I connect with them one night in a reserve. I arrive into a reserve and they were doing this Indigenous Film Screening Festival and there were different types. Yeah, it was different types of tribes uh, showing their, their films that they make. And there was one film collective from, from the Sierra. I already knew about them, but we didn't have an encounter or something like that. I encountered them and I was like, yeah, I have this film. I have this message. The Reynel, the guy that brings me first to the Mamo, he introduced me to them too. And they say like, yeah, we, we can help you. Like, let's put this out. We started to working with them. We finalized the short film and then we put it out. So they helped you officially translate it. Exactly, exactly. And it was a Kogi person that made the translation that he's trained to do that. So it was, it was the perfect person. It was the perfect time. It, it come out into the perfect moment. So yes. after a long process, I don't know, I, I really feel like, yeah, this message needs to come out in the day that needs to come out. Actually, we did our little premiere here in Vienna on the 21st of September, the Equinox. That day, we released the short film with a little, a little gathering. That day is really special because Tejuna right now is like a, is, yeah, it's like a trek, like Machu Picchu. You, a lot of tourists go there. Like you could go there. You do a trek and then you go there. But September, they close it. Mm. And, the, and, and the equinox, they do this gathering with the other mammals and they do a spiritual work and they close it. Nobody can go there. So I was really, wow, so a special day to put this out. I know that they are there gathering and we are putting this out after a few years. 
but we are putting this out. So so beautiful. And I speaking of, you know, translation, it keeps bringing to mind, I keep seeing the image in my mind of the gourd, you know, and I would love for you to share a little bit about it because it's, in my opinion, one of the more intriguing aspects of their sacred ways. And I, you know, again, have had um, quite a quite a number of hours being able to sit with them and observe them recording, writing, and scribing on the gourd their their messages, the downloads. But I'm sure even right now, listeners are like, what is she talking about, like inscribing on a gourd? So if you could explain uh, that process that the mamas have. What is a gourd? <laughs> the the shell or the... Uh, the, the oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. What do you call it? Yeah, poporo. It's called poporo. Poporo? Poporo. Yeah, poporo is an element from nature, actually grows in one tree and represents the um, female aspect of nature at the same time with the, the, the divine connection with the male energy. So only man, uh, only the man use it. And the coca is a really special planter because it's called ayu. This is the ancestral name for the coca, ayu. It's the plant that allows you to communicate with the spirits of nature. So only the women can grow it, only the women can harvest, but only the men can consume it. And this is not because it's a separation, but it's because you as a woman, you already have that energy inside you. So we as men, we need that energy. So this is why we take it and you are the one that grow it because you put all your divine energy there and then we take it. The poporo is an, is an ancient element that they used to, it's like a, they, they, they explain it like this. Like when you first ask them, why is that? What is that? They say like, this is our cell phone to speak with nature. Mm-hmm. It's the most easy way to, to, to explain it. But it actually is a book that they put their thoughts. So it's a way to record their thoughts and their experience. And it's like a meditation tool. So they are really quiet. They are always chewing coca and and mixing it with the shells in this poporo. And with the poporo, they are like, yeah, having a meditation state and having conversations with the elements of nature. And so in one hand, just to try to give a visual um, to you all sitting with us in this beautiful ceremony space, they're holding the poporo. And then in the other hand, if I remember correctly, it's it's like a stick. Of, it's like a stick. It's a stick. And so, yeah, they use... Um, part of the the shell to mix with the poporo and then they're like they're moving the stick and it doesn't look like if you and i were writing a handwritten no it's a different kind of movement but it's their version it's their way of of writing their book by using these two instruments and it's incredible because if you were to look at the poporo I wouldn't know that it quote unquote says something, that there is a message there, but it's my understanding that they can read each other's messages that are on the poporo somehow. The mamos, yeah, the mamos could track your spiritual path just to see in your, your poporo. So the way that they do it is that they put the shells into fire and then they crack it and then the, 
the one part of the poporo, imagine like it's a little something like a bottle that it is it has like a bottle shape, and then it has a, a round hole into the top, and then they put the shells there, the the cal. Right, and they dip it in there. And they dip with the other with the other stick that they have in the to the other uh, to the other hand, and in the mouth they have the coca leaves that they are chewing, and then they put the cal out, they put it into the mouth, and then they mix it with the coca leaves, and that uh, like uh, activate the alkaline side of more elements of the coca leaves, and then they with the um, saliva. I don't know how to say yes. that. Yep, saliva. Uh, saliva, they put the stick again into the mouth and then they start to uh, spread it into a round part of the poporo. And in, that is growing in some way. Like it, it's growing because it has coca and it has the cal and it has the saliva. So it is a little bit like taking shape in some yes. way. Yes. It's so incredible. I mean, if any of you ever are blessed with the opportunity, you know, if you ever hear of the Mamos coming into any shamanic communities in your area, if you ever somehow are guided to sitting with them and working with them, just to be in their presence is life-changing, you know, just to have that opportunity, but then to witness them specifically in this process it's breathtaking and it's powerful and it's super unique. You know, you'll, you'll never see anything quite like it. Mm-hmm. And so if you could tell us a little bit more about Tayuna, you know, as you've been sharing, it's known as the heart of the world. It's a very sacred site. Uh, what else can we know about this particular place that you feel is important? Uh, the whole Sierra is the heart of the world. So okay. it's like, it's like, it's, it's the whole Sierra that is like a place like it's as big as Costa Rica or something like that. The Tiyuna is like, it was a ceremonial place. It was, um, it's like a round pyramid site, something like that. And it was like a, a, yeah, a settlement for, for the community. It was mm-hmm. a really sacred place that there's, uh, Bigger mammals uh, lived there, and it was a really place that it was not conquered so easily. And it's um, yeah, it's an energy site of value that right now is open to us to go to visit and to experience that. Uh, this is why right now tourists is allowed to go there because they say that every person that goes there, they go deep into their hearts and they need to share this place. Only the mom and a few families live around there and around the area lives another uh, another indigenous settlements. But yeah, it's a really particular area that they had for sacred rituals in the past. They still do it today, but not, of course, as before. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. And so I'm curious, you know, what is one of the ways that your life has changed the most since reconnecting with the Mamos and being able to travel with them and learn with them and create with them? What's one of the biggest things that they have taught you? To learn and to be more happy, actually, is like, and to reconnect with myself and to start to worry so much about a lot of things. And they say like, yeah, 
we need to encounter and to have a peaceful heart. And it's a process that is going to take us a lot of time. So in the beginning, I was really worried because I was like, yeah, this place has been destroyed and we are destroying nature and we are destroying everything and how we could do to save this and how, like, what we need to do and how we are going to do it. And uh, it's overwhelming when you look it into that way. And they say, like, yeah, it's, it's happening. Like, this is it's true. We need to be worried, of course. We cannot be passive in, in, into this type of situation. But the only way to save it is, is with love and with happiness and with joy. So it, the days that you start to walk in here with us and you feel more happy, you are going to be more stronger to have more impact into the things that you wanted to do. If you do it with a place of fear, then maybe not so many things have been happening. And I think that that takes me a few years to understand. Mm. We already been working with them more than five years. And it's like a long process of having these stages uh, of yeah, going. It's like the Sierra. It's something that I really love about there because you go up and then you go down and then you go up mm. and then you go down. So nothing is like you reach the mountain just to go down again and to start to climbing again. So it's, it's not a process of, yeah, would you find, we found the balance, but it's like to going back again and to going in this, in when we find more balance and then when we are more happy and we are more connected with ourselves, then it's like, I think it's the ideal state that we could start doing more and more and more things. So this is one of the things that I really value for, for working with them and reconnecting myself with music too. Um, and the important segments part of music and to, yeah, to enjoying more life, actually, mm. to going more deeply into enjoying with simple things, you know, like they, they live really simple. They don't need so many things. They are really, really, they have a really quality of life really high. And we are so bombarded for so many things that we need here that ah, that's such a lie. And then, is the desire to go back and to have a more simple life. Of course, we cannot go there and to live as the way that they live because we are already born into this society. But we could bridge that and then we could create a new ways to live in a more balanced way. And that's the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, brings to mind uh, the quote that I saw on your website that says, you know, together we are the forest. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much. It really spoke to me so deeply. It's, and I think it speaks to me so deeply because, you know, as, as you sensed about me and who I am and the work that I do in the world, it's just so rooted in love and unity and honor and connection. And that is just such an important thing right now. I just feel like there's you know, such a propensity for people to separate and divide and cut off from different things. And I just love that you and I have been able to, for you you and I to bridge and to come together and merge in this moment and share the teachings um, and the information and wisdom that have come from you being able to merge and bridge with your indigenous 
roots and the mamos, and I'm able to bring in the bits of my time of being able to merge and bridge with the mamos. And I'm just seeing, you know, all of these different visions of this uniting force, this uniting energy. And uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know if anything comes up for you when I'm talking about that, but I just loved that when I went to your website, you were also reiterating that part of the dynamics and energetics of the earth right now that I think are so important. Together, we are the forest. And of course, you know, like you and I are doing our best in, in having this conversation to share about this tradition in an honoring way. So of course, honor and respect and reverence and sacredness is, is always important. But the mamos, you know, they want their teachings, they want their wisdom to be learned about. And so, I don't know, I just think there's something very beautiful and special about uh, this particular way of having this conversation. Yeah, and this is something that I, it relates into the biodiversity that we need to have on Earth. So we start with the idea of the, um, the forest, because as you go into a forest, you, you could notice that there is no only one type of tree. There is thousands of species or different types of species co-living together in harmony. And that's the way of nature. So as the same if humanity, if we are only were one race, we could not sustain life on Earth because we are not meant to be like that. So in the Sierra, 80% of the native forests were deforested by the coca monocultures and the wheat monocultures and by the conflict. 30 years ago, they started to have in this natural regeneration. They don't plant trees, they do spiritual payments and the forests are growing back again. But they have been losing a little bit the food forest that they have. So this is why we started to create this type of food forest with them. And the most easy way that we could find for the people to connect is to realize that we need to stop this consumption of things that comes from monocultures, that it's not a natural way, that uh, we need to put more attention in the way that we consume our food because it's a sacred relationship that we have with Earth, with nature itself, as part of us, not, not a separate thing. And, and this is why the forests that are the place of the trees that are these um, special beings that they have, spiritual beings more higher, like, you know, like, for example, Every element of nature, it, it has a higher spirit. So the trees have a higher, higher spirit that they are almost like human beings. So we need to connect with them because they are alive in every part in the North, here in Europe, there in the States. If you go to, I don't know, the natural parks, parks in California and these trees that are massive and massive, you will connect with hundreds and hundreds of years of wisdom just to be in hugging them. So I think like uh, we have a little of disconnection with the forest. Uh, we don't know where our food comes from, where our medicine comes from, uh, where the shelter that we have comes from, the wood that we use. Everything comes from the forest. Mm -hmm. So we need to, to have, um, this is something that I really feel there. We need to reinforce our connection with the natural forces the forest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a perfect segue into sharing uh, before we get to the ceremonial portion, the ritual portion of this time together. 
you know, I would imagine for a lot of people with us there wondering how to support, you know, what do you recommend? I went to your, um, your Indiegogo campaign and took part in that yesterday and that felt really good. And of course, and I went to your website and got one of your cool uh, t-shirts. So, um, you know, those are two examples, but if you could explain to people, because you've got this incredible, uh, you know, in your many year journey of, you know, your trips uh, up into the mountains and learning with them. I imagine that vision for how to do your calling has expanded and expanded. And I just love the different elements of it. So if you could share with listeners the different ways that they can support the cause that you have initiated, which in turn really supports the Mamos culture and Mother Earth and, and all the good things. Yeah, so we we have uh, three focuses into into the project. Uh, one is to to preserve and to share dance and wisdom through art and films and uh, audiovisual uh, mediums. The other one is the reforestation with agroforestry system that are food forests that are the traditional way that we grow our food. And the other one is a coffee and cacao for biodiversity project. So. For me, the most easy way and the most easy payment that we could do to the earth is to plant a tree and to plant trees regularly, not just one, like to having that consciousness of that we need to pay for the air that we breathe, for the water that we consume, for the food that we eat and for me the medicine that we take. So we need to start to giving back to the earth and trees are a beautiful form of payment and a beautiful way to reach the earth. There is no other time on our history that planting a tree would be so easy as is right now to go into a website and to adopt a tree or create a forest that it would be something more bigger and something more special of course but just to planting trees regularly uh, we have something that is called community support agriculture so you could unite to we have a community of monthly givers that is called the jungle and the idea is that with everything anything that you could contribute we are making these types of payments and this type of work every month, every month, every month. That support the creation of documentaries and to sharing this ancient wisdom and to creating cultural projects. And we have another project that we are, is the one that uh, you saw in, in, in Indiegogo, uh, that right now we are in a crowdfunding to uplift the project of the Coffee for Biodiversity, that coffee is a food medicine, yeah, food messenger that the communities have discovery that, of course, as a, as a master plant, it has a, a purpose to unite people and to build bridges to with them and with us. Uh, so they adopt coffee because, of course, it's not a native plant from there. They adopt it, and right now they see it as a messenger. So they say, no, not everyone can travel to the Sierra and to experience the heart of the world, but the world of the heart of the world could travel to any place of the planet in forms of beans and food. So it's, it's a food that is organic, is, is growed with the moon and the star cycles and with the spiritual rituals. So it's gonna give you a fuel to have more creativity, to more focus and to have that connection from heart to heart. So we are creating, uh, we are working in community support agriculture. So we have a direct relationship with the farmers that grow our food and we support them with pre-buying the harvest and to sharing that harvest into a small community. So any type of the 
all of these three projects are now uh, mixed together in this crowdfunding that is going to be until the 22 of July. And the idea is that, yeah, with that, we are going to create a 30-minute new documentary that is going to be uh, focused into how we can improve our relationship with nature through our food. That is one of the most simple things that we could do to plant 25,000 trees with the communities and to support 60 families that work with us into the coffee project. So in the website, you could find more information, but, but yeah, these are the things that, that we are working right now. Yeah, so I'll be sure. Um, I highly recommend if any of what we have uh, shared in today's show has resonated with you, I really urge you to go to the website. It's You'll get the transmission. You'll understand. I'll put the link to the Indiegogo in uh, the show notes. They'll also live on my website, allisoncharles.com, and you can also go to Santi's website, um, which is, I believe is jaguarsiambra.com. Is that correct? So I'll yeah. put that in the show notes as well. So you'll have easy access to go and you'll see the different, there's various ways and options for how you can contribute and, and, you know, whatever monetary amount that feels right for you at this time. But I just, I can't think of many better causes to contribute to right now. So I really urge you to check it out and, um, before we go into the ritual offering, is there anything else at all just about what you've learned from the Mamos, um, anything that they have passed on to you that you feel that we should know, either a message from them or just any other information about the, the Mamos culture at all? Yeah, I think like uh, one of the important things is that we are living a pivot time, a pivot point into um, into humanity. So um, it's like an urgent call to really reconnect with the forces of nature. And that's something that we could do in any part of the world. We, we don't need to travel so far to have a forest, to have a river, but to having this and creating more spaces for ritual. So um, I think like we need to rediscover our roots uh, in any place that we are. So for example, in the place that you are, just think about who were the persons that lived here thousands of years, who were the indigenous communities that, that were there, where my mom comes from, where my papa comes from. So I start to get in deep into that question because you are going to start to find a path and, and go and go to the mountains and go to the rivers and go to the trees and connect more with them because we are really isolating ourselves into this technology world and to these types of things. So it's really time to, for us to go into going into these places. And that's something that I really want to share, for example, with the, with the ritual that, that uh, we could share today with you. Beautiful. All right. Anything that we need to do, just be in a quiet space, sit, lay down. Any special directions for us, Santi? Yeah, I, I really want to share something that to you to do it because it needs to be done in nature. Mm. So I, I'm going to share how we could do that and how we could do it. But it's like, it's going to be like a homework. Perfect. Love it. I, we, this is, this will be our first official homework assignment on ceremony circle. That's great. Exactly. All right. Tell us what our homework is. Okay. So 
one of the things that I could share with you, and it's something that I've been doing these couple of days and actually into these solstice days that have been passed that are like dates to amplify these types of rituals, is like to make a little payment to the earth. And how we could do that, like we cannot do it right now, but it's going to be a homework that you are going to do into um, your space, into your time. But please do it. Like take the commitment that I'm going to do it and I'm going to experience this because it's something that I really want to you to, to make a payment for the earth and for this, for the heart of the world and for the communities that are living there and for the indigenous communities all around the world that are taking care of our forests and our resources. And they are the ones that is the wisdom keepers. So do it for them and do it mostly for you. Mm. It's going to be something for you, for your heart. Uh-huh. So the most beautiful thing that you could do is think about a place, a natural place that you feel really good. Like it could be a river, it could be a really big tree, it could be a rock, because the rocks are really special beings that have been here for thousands of years. Let go to, I don't know, a mountain, the top of a mountain, or any natural place, but needs to be a, a natural place that you feel that it's old, it's, it's ancient, it's not, not, it's not man-made, it's, yeah, it's not a new lake, it's something like that. It's like going to the forest. When you go there, if you are, for example, in a big tree, sit beneath the tree, or if you are in a river, sit beneath the river and close to the river, and then start to create in this type of meditation with yourself and with your breath and start to feel the energy that is surrounding you. But the most important thing right now is that you are going to say, hola, mama, hola, mother, I'm here and I'm going to make you a payment. Mm. I'm going to pay for all the things that I received to you from you every day for the food, for the water, for the air that right now is suffering because it's sick and we need the healthier to live for the waters, for the quartz, for the golds, for the oil, for the elements, for the microorganisms, for everything. So I start to visualizing from the minimal things and the microorganisms on the earth to the macro organisms, into the stars, into the galaxies, into deeper, deeper galaxies. And then project your heart as a gold, a gold heart. And put your hands into the gold heart and give it to your mother. Give it to her and to your father and to the elements of the forest where you are, the rivers where you are. And give thanks for the ancient beings that were living there, the ancient be- beings that crossed that path, that maybe drink from that river, or maybe hug that tree that you are, or breathe from that air, and give them that energy that is gold, and you are give it to them and to the air. And that's a pain. You just pay for you. So. Mm. To clear a debt. And everything that you are going to do from now on, 
you could do it in your own home with simple things. When you receive your food, visualize this, the, the same thing. Your heart in gold and I'm going to pay for this food. I'm going to pay for my friends. I'm going to pay for my love. For everything, we need to pay for everything. So become that into a ritual thing, something that I start to doing, and I'm doing it, and we need to start to doing it more, more and more and more. For the projects, when you visualize a project, pay for that project. I'm going to pay for receive that project, for everything, for everything, for everything. But for the important things, I really, really need that you concentrate yourself into these places and that you meditate. It doesn't need to be a one-hour meditation. It's just the power of the intention. And then when you give the heart, give it with a, an emotion, with happiness, with love, with gratitude. And that's it. You just pay. You just make a pay. Ah, that was so beautiful to visualize. I'm definitely going to start doing that specifically, you know, before I eat my food, I, you know, of course have my prayers and blessings and give thanks and things, but I think there's something really special about the specific visualization of the gold heart, because I, I'm aware in some of the teachings that I've read that unless we return all of the gold and quartz back you know, to the earth, it's not ever going to be like it was before because we have extracted so much of the quartz and the gold out. So I love the idea of specifically visualizing our hearts as the gold and giving the payment in that way. So, oh, that's so beautiful. And I got a couple of ideas. You know, my partner and I are newer to these lands that we live on now, but there's just so many incredible sacred spaces that we've already come upon. So I'm going to go to different ones of them, some different rivers. And I saw some trees in my mind that I'm going to go and sit at and, and give my gold heart payment and gratitude to. So thank you so much, Santi, for sharing <laughs> that beautiful ritual and for sharing, you know, with all of us so generously about your journey and your commitment and your projects. Um, I really honor the calling that you have stepped into and all the beautiful work and energy that you are transmitting out into the world. So yes, I see you brother. And again, just urging everyone to please, you know, visit the show notes and on the Instagram post, when I share about this episode, I'll put, you know, the information for the links there and, and how you can support his uh, various campaigns and receive the coffee that is being grown down there. And I know it's not ready yet, but I know another part of the project is the cacao, which I'm really excited about. And I'm sure a lot of the soul fam listening are also, you know, ceremonial cacao drinkers. So that is another part of Santi's efforts that is happening and growing and on its way. Um, so you can look forward to that as well. So Thank you so much, brother, dear brother. I'm so glad that we have connected and thank you for your time and wisdom and energy today on Ceremony Circle. Cool. Thank you for creating this and to spreading the word. And yeah, let's keep growing together. We are the first. Ah, there we go. Woo! What a powerful voyage that was. It is 
just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed, www.alisoncharles.com. That's www.alisoncharles.com so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.